What's up, Shooters Pod Universe? Nick McCone here, co-host of the Straight Shooters Podcast. Classic episode week continues here on the Straight Shooters Pod. Today, we're uploading our WWF In Your House, Beware of Dog, parts one and two from May 1996. Vaughn and I dove deep in all the happenings. British Bulldog versus Shawn Michaels, Goldust versus The Undertaker in a casket match, Savio Vega versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in a Caribbean strap match, and the storm that cut the satellites off on that Sunday night. So part two happened on a Tuesday night. We deep dive through all of it on this episode, classic episode number 284. Enjoy. ruined my life. I'm going to address this subject. I did not do this. Now, Shawn Michaels, I want you to face your accuser. I want you to look into the eyes of the woman that you tried to sully. Shawn, I know that you want me. Do not flatter yourself. That's what you get when you mess with the British. Plain and simple, this is character assassination, and I'm getting damn tired of it. Yes. That promo was as bizarre as you think it was. <laughs> <laughs> that was the opening video package to WWF's In Your House 8, Beware of Dog. Took place May 26, 1996, almost 25 years ago at the Florence Civic Center in Florence, South Carolina. Yes, that was like the main story going into the show was that Shawn Michaels was apparently a womanizer, specifically with married women. <laughs> he liked messing with married women. And in this case, it was Diana Hart Smith, the wife, of course, of Davy Boy Smith and the sister of Owen and Bret Hart. You know, uh, so <clears throat> that was strange <laughs> and like kind of like. Didn't fit yeah. with anything else WWF was doing at the time because, like, maybe by '98 it would have fit right on in. Mm-hmm. But '96 is just like what? But very strange for it strange. to be the second like story for Shawn Michaels to be involved in as champion. You know, he went into the April in your house with Diesel, and then it holds bar match, and then they at the end of that, you know, is when they planted the seeds for this, where uh, you know. The British Bulldog was outside of Shawn Michaels' dressing room. During, maybe it was before the match, and everyone was like, what the hell is going on? And it led to this. So the whole story they were saying was that he was trying to get with Diana Hart, which was just crazy. I don't know why they would pick that as the second storyline for the WWF champion. <laughs> so Strange, strange stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Strange, strange stuff. But... Before we get into all of the strange happenings surrounding this show, you know what I gotta ask you, Nick? Where were you in life around this time in 1996? All right, I love this question. Every week, I love it. <laughs> uh, so it was, yeah, it was at the end of my fifth grade year. You know, this was at the end of May. It was for some reason I keep thinking of their May pay per views as being always on Mother's Day, but this one was actually on Memorial Day weekend. So it was a little later on. Uh, I was probably, I know I was out, so I had to be like at a family barbecue or something like that where, 
you know, we didn't go every single year, but s- sometimes we would, whether it be Memorial Day, July 4th, Labor Day, whatever. So I had to be at like a family thing. And I remember getting home and it was late, you know, that these pay-per-views started at 7 p.m. And I believe we got home like, you know, after 8 o'clock or something. So my mom had told me, you know, we'll order the Encore and you can tape the Encore or whatever. So I was like, okay, like that's great. It'll be, it was the first time that ever happened really. And the I think these pay-per-views were still, you know, like two hours. And so they would be like 15 bucks. So it wasn't like terrible for her. So I, you know, got my tape ready and, you know, got home. I think uh, I remember turning, I think I turned on the pay-per-view after she, I, she might have ordered it before that day. So I think I remember turning on the the channel. And we actually always used to get the encore. So maybe maybe it was the fact that you know, I got home and I was just going to watch the main event. And then I was going to tape the encore because it was like already ordered. So maybe she wasn't on the phone like when we got home. And I remember... I, being very confused because you know it was the main event or whatever. So I watched the whole main event, and then when I, I put the tape in and I was ready to record the encore starting at nine o'clock, and we had the first match with no problems. You had Mark Merrow and Triple H, no problems, and then it cut right to the main event. So I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Like, because <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm WWF super fan Nick, so I knew there were other matches. Like three other matches, and my mom. I got you know. I told my mom. I don't think I was like going nuts. I, I was like I tempered my like pissed offness. I guess my anger. Your I anger. Te- I tempered it. <laughs> you notice how I said you anger after pissed offness. Right. You went straight over anger. Pissed offness. No, 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 no. There's a word for that. Anger. <laughs> So made I think up my mom word. was like up in her room at that time, just like watching TV or whatever. And I was like, so the whole like the main events on now, I don't know why it was like nine twenty or whatever, you know? So I was so confused. She got on the phone and I think she had been told by the, you know, obviously people all around the country lost their satellite feed of the pay-per-view. So it probably just went dark on their pay-per-view providers. So my, I guess my mom had said there was a storm or whatever. And uh, I was very confused at the time. I didn't know what the hell that meant. I was like, okay, so what does that have to do with, you know, it going straight to the main event? <laughs> you know, like I didn't understand things at the time. And I don't, I don't think my <laughs> I mom I don't really care. Went. I wanted to see Steve Austin <laughs> and Savio Vega. That's exactly what I wanted. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, was very confused. I still taped the encore, but it was you know, the same, same stuff. So I only had those two matches. Luckily I would tape. I think it was for free. They would, they would, you know, anyone that ordered the pay-per-view got the Tuesday night, uh, live pay-per-view second part of Beware of dog for free. Uh, well, I guess technically not for free, but if you ordered the pay-per-view, you could tune in and you would get the, the three matches that were not delivered on Sunday night. So I taped those right after the pay-per-view or right after the main event. So my whole tape was all messed up. I hated it. I was like, I wanted everything to be in a certain order, damn it. And now I have, 
you know, Triple H and Mark Merrow and then Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog and then like all the Tuesday night matches after that. I was a, that was annoying. But <laughs> uh, yeah, needless to say, I was a little perturbed. And on top of the fact that I had no clue what the hell they were doing with Shawn Michaels in this whole storyline, I was just like, okay, he's a good guy, obviously, so everyone else is a bad guy. <laughs> so clearly Diana's lying, and uh, they're just trying to make Shawn look bad, and he'll you know, return the favor. And so I was like leading into that. I, that the promo on Raw where... You know, Diana slapped Sean, and then Sean was like, I guess we know who wears the pants in the Smith family. And Bulldogs, you know, they started brawling. And I remember I was watching that with my sister, and she kind of laughed. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> they the hell both that wear meant. pants. <laughs> she, like, she, the hell? Don't they like, wear pants? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the hell that meant. And, like, what? <laughs> and I think she tried to explain it to me to where the man usually wears the pants, but I was like, yeah, but mom wears pants all the time. What the hell are you talking about? Like, <laughs> so didn't understand the euphemism at the time, and that is that. Those are the things that stood out to me the most in, in that time frame of my life. Yeah, I was. I would have been seven years old, not watching wrestling at this point. Because oh, no, it, I just, I just fell out of it. I told you, I've, to, I've said this before, where I just kind of fell out of it for a couple man. years. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. But I got back into it eventually. But uh, it's funny. When I look at this show and it's like the way WWF looked and the way WCW looked was almost like, I don't want to say night and day. It just, you can tell WCW was the more hot promotion, the more happening promotion at that point. And WWF was doing some okay stuff, but like, it just didn't look like the top promotion anymore. In May? In May 96? Yeah. <laughs> so Razor Ramon would debut, you know, the next night on Nitro, which is kind of crazy Nitro, to think about. That's that is crazy to think about. But Nitro looked like a more polished show to me. Hmm, interesting. More happening show. Obviously, the NWO hadn't been a thing yet, like you said. Sky Hall didn't debut to the next night, but it just—I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the set. Maybe got it's just me both for Nitro. I love this set, so I would always think, right? Like, Damn, this is cool. <laughs> And anything about what, what eventually would happen with WCW, with NWO and everything else, it's just like, I don't know. It's just, WCW yeah. looked like the more, you know, happening promotion at that point. But besides Shawn Michaels and sexual harassment things, that got pretty much overshadowed. So the reason why this show is really remembered, it's not anything that really happened in the building. Well, I guess it technically affected what happened in the building. But there was a literal storm <laughs> that hit the building on the day of May 28, 1996, May 26, 1996, in Florence, South Carolina. It was such a severe rainstorm, thunderstorm, that the power got knocked out during the show. So, as you mentioned, we saw a couple matches that happened live in front of the audience that night, at least that were televised. But all the other matches happened before no television cameras, and some of them even in darkness, like Steve Austin and Savio Vega. <laughs> so, <laughs> only two <laughs> matches took place in Florence, South Carolina, officially. It was the opening match, Triple H versus Mark Romero, and the WWE title match, Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog. All the other matches, officially, even though they did happen, they did happen 
and Florence and WWF, to, I guess to their credit, acknowledged the fact that they did happen, specifically during Savio Vega and Steve Austin. They talked about how they, they did that match just two days ago and they're doing it again. But that match, Yokozuna and um, Vader, and was there another match that happened on the show? I can't remember. Yeah, under, top of my head, Undertaker, Goldust. There you uh, go. Casket match. Which is, technically, if you watch this on Peacock, is the main event <laughs> yeah. of the show. Which, I mean, it's a casket match. So it wasn't like it was a title. terrible main event. I, I forgot it was right. for the Intercontinental title, too. Right. So if you watch this on Peacock or WWE Network, there's no footage of the power outage. There is footage that exists of this, though. That is on the internet, on like a daily motion, something like that, where you see Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler talking to people on like a normal microphone. You can barely hear them because the audio is all messed up. The lights are out <laughs> and they're talking and they're talking and talking like, hey, you know, we're trying to come back and, you know, whatever. Not working. <laughs> right. And like I said, Steve Austin and Savio Vega wrestled a whole strap match in the dark. So. So, in order to make up for this, WWF said, all right, we're going to pretty much have all the matches that were supposed to happen on the pay-per-view. You order the encore. You can see them on Tuesday in the Charleston, North Charleston Coliseum in North Charleston, North Charleston, South Carolina. So, May 28, 1996 was called Beware of Dog 2, the fastest <laughs> sequel in history. Yeah. <laughs> right? You thought... You know, Hangover 2 came out too soon. Well, you ain't seen nothing when it comes to Beware of Dog 2. Okay. No, not necessarily. Because <laughs> they had like 4,000 fans in North Charleston <laughs> that, and on Tuesday, according to Wikipedia. That is. So, so, this was clearly their general Superstars taping. Because that was basically the set they were using for Superstars at that point. Oh, okay. And they just, they just made it into the second pay-per-view. <laughs> I mean, there you go. You do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they didn't want to give and, refunds back, and they said, "We'll give you free free wrestling." <laughs> hey, I mean, look, I think it was. I don't think it was a. I think it was handled well. Yeah. About yeah. WWF. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's unforeseen circumstances. I mean, they acknowledged during, I believe, the opening match that there was a storm. Yeah. And that. Yep. Uh, Vince said it like, "Hey, the broadcast is interrupted. We won't be gone for too long." Sack. <laughs> we won't yep. see it for the next two days. <laughs> uh, you can't tell Mother Nature what to do. So they knew there was a storm in the area and it might knock out the power, but I guess they just didn't think it would be that bad. Like you said, we're only going to be gone for a little bit and we'll be back, but not quite. So, but we got the show here. We start off the show. We got Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler on the call. Vince McMahon is yelling through his intro like he is wont to do, <laughs> you know. Uh, he's always, ah, oh, you heard it, you know, in the promo there, the World Wrestling Federation champion, Shawn Michaels, ha, 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 and he's laughing and all that. <laughs> he was louder than that, this week, man. Uh, <laughs> and Jerry Lawler says, you know, Shawn Michaels had to convince the world that he wasn't a womanizer. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. like, Which, in on. reality, he probably was. Yeah. Let's not forget yeah. that Shawn Michaels was having, I, I don't know if you could have called it an affair from his standpoint. It was a definitely an affair from Sonny's standpoint. They had yeah. a whole relationship with Sonny while she was with Chris Candido. While Chris Candido was in the WWF locker room, uh, part of the Body Donnas, including 
uh, took in a trip to Jamaica with Sonny while she was with Candido. Like, oh, so it wasn't like uh, Shawn Michaels was a uh, an angel by any stretch of the imagination. That has been well documented over the years. So I found that funny. This was about Shawn Michaels' morals, which even he probably would admit, like, I didn't have a whole lot of them back in 96. Like, Imagine him as the babyface boyhood dream champion. They're like, yeah, so what? She wanted it. Why not? That would have gone over too well. So, No. No. But here we are. Beware of dog one. <laughs> and your opening match is Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Mark Merrow. Funny thing about the this. The wild man. The wild man, Mark Merrow. Who came out with Sable's music. I don't care what nobody say. That's always going to be Sable's music. Uh, it fit much better for Sable than it did for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but a week prior, actually this day, I guess. We're here on the 25th anniversary of, I believe, the curtain call. Yeah. Yeah, May 19th. I believe so. What's that? Yeah. May 19th, yeah. Yeah. So as we see here on the 25th anniversary of that... So, <laughs> Triple H is a week removed from that as we get here on this show, okay? Which means he is firmly in the doghouse by this point. He is just beginning his time in the doghouse. Not Road Dog's doghouse. Not that doghouse. Not the good one. But, like, the doghouse <laughs> where he's going to be losing matches for quite a long time. And he's going to... he's be stripped of his opportunity to win the King of the Ring tournament. Oh, no. Which set in, you know, set in uh, motion a chain of events that really changed the wrestling business. We'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you know anything about Stone Cold Steve Austin's career, you know about this. But for those that for some reason don't know, we'll talk about it a little bit later. <laughs> uh, the whole thing about this, this match was that, you know, Sable for like a night, which I believe was at WrestleMania... Uh, she was with Triple H as his valet. She's she, no longer his valet. She's with her husband at this point, or I, I believe they were married, or they were together. Mark Merrow. Uh, and Mark Merrow's in the back looking crazy. Like he's just, you know, what did we call it back in the day? Maniacism? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll call it that. Maniacism. Yeah, we'll call it that. And he says, welcome to the jungle. Because he's the wild man. He's from yeah, the jungle. Yeah. He's like Tarzan, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so I he's had know. two uh, Johnny, he's he's had two Little Richard type uh, gimmicks thrown at him, one by WCW and then one by the WWF. <laughs> I guess it's, it's Little Richard. I guess I don't know. He's like the wild man, like a rock, rock and roll man. Oh, well, I guess. But I think Did they come out. They didn't come out and say it. I think they just said that. But then it's like ah, oh, the jungle. They added that in just so there was yeah. no maybe no legal issues. I don't know. Yeah. But Little Richard I, was so, a wild man of rock and roll, so that's fair. And they looked like that much, so <laughs> they did look alike. That's why I became trying to be bad and yeah. WCW. That's what I much. always put two and two together. I assume they call him the Wild Man because of the Little Richard stuff. So you probably got a point there. But uh, Mark Merrow, in all honesty, all jokes aside, I think he was underrated as a talent. 
Uh, I thought he was very athletic. I mean, he was like the high flyer of his day, which is wild to think about now because he was like pretty jacked up. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't like yeah. a luchador. No, he skipped or, like, like, doing, like a lot. <laughs> I guess, but he, you know, when you're a Golden Gloves boxer, I guess you're not so worried about your legs as much. But <laughs> but that's, that's my point though. He's a Golden Gloves, Gloves champion, and he was like the high flyer for that time period. I thought things didn't work out for him in the long run as far as wrestling, but. I think if you were to take Mark Merrill and put him like somehow put him in a time machine and bring him into 2021, I think he could be a a guy on the roster that can be a, a probably upper mid card guy. Am I am I tripping? No, I liked him in this era. I didn't like him after his injury. I thought they kind of messed with him a little bit, and I just don't think he was the same. But this era, Mark Merrill, absolutely. I thought he was talented. Maybe I mean, he was kind of over in WCW. I thought he was more over in WCW than what he was in WWF. I think <sighs> this and his commentary didn't help Mark Merrill. Yeah, and I guess you know, Sable took a lot of the attention away too. And that, yeah, that started didn't pushing help. that, and uh, right. good for her. But at the same time, uh, you're you're gonna have Mark Merrill like come out without Sable and he'll get booed, you know. That's how over Sable yeah. was. So she was Which, I mean, know, just as part of his gimmick as he was. To WWF's credit, they eventually turned him into a heel, tried to get some heat from it, but it just didn't work. You know, work in the long run. Yeah. But I thought he had a good run going for himself in WCW. I think he's like T V champion or something like that. Um, yeah. Or US champion, one of those he he didn't win the world title while I think he was T V champ. I think I read about that. Right. So um, but this match, Triple H worked over Merrill's shoulder a lot. Um, and then Vince McMahon, you know, is yelling his way through the match. But, of course, King spends most of his time talking about how ugly Sable was, which I, <laughs> I get he's a heel. But, geez, we got to we gotta stick to some type of reality yeah, at yeah. some point. <laughs> like, and how pretty the woman that came out with Hunter was. And, you know, she was sitting next to him, but she clearly was just like, please stop talking. Like. <laughs> <laughs> It was bizarre, bizarre very stuff. Much, very you, much. You, you go back through these shows through the years, and you hear Jerry Lawler's commentary, and it's like, how? Why? Why was he so yeah. weird? Like on I, commentary, like. I mean, when, I don't know. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to think Jr. and King was like the best, and now it's like, just Jr. I guess <laughs> King was okay. King would have his moments, but for the most part, he was just like, what? What the hell are you talking about, King? Yeah, and now he's I, I I can go I don't have to listen to him ever again on commentary I'll be fine mm-hmm. so yeah. um but Merrill wins the match he fights off Triple H and the, the shoulder injury uh he monkey flipped Triple H into the ring post well he's supposed to go to the turnbuckle but Triple H went all the way into the ring post allowing Mark Merrill to pick up the win so five stars there you have that five stars. Five stars. Why not? Why the hell not? Beware of dog, damn it. Let's do it. That, that was one of the first uh, endings I've, I've, or finishes, I should say, I saw that where a guy just hit the steel ring post and got knocked out. Like, I don't remember seeing that before this. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. Like, what a weird way. Triple H gets, like, all the offense in and then loses like that. <laughs> so here we go. Look, it wouldn't be his last loss of 1996. Um, we go backstage to Mr. Perfect interviewing Jim Cornette. 
And he's with British Bulldog, who, of course, is challenging Shawn Michaels for the WWF title. And they're joined by Owen Hart, Clarence Mason, and Diana Hart-Smith. And Clarence Mason's all banged up. I don't know what, what happened to Clarence Mason, that he was, like, on crutches and had his arm in a sling. And, like, I kind of what happened to this man? Do you I remember? Kind of, I kind of forget, but I want to say, like, maybe someone just, like, grabbed him by his shirt. And then he clearly just oversold it, and he just made himself, like, so injured. But somebody nice. might have just grabbed his shirt. So I think it was, like, I don't remember someone's flat out, like, flat out beating his ass or anything like that. <laughs> uh, or I don't even know them, like, if anyone explained what happened to him. Not like uh, he got beat up outside of Syracuse nightclub by nine Marines or anything like that. Mm, mm. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I just... I like that story. There's <laughs> nine people beating up one guy. Yeah. And nobody stopped this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hold on. We got to stop for a second. Hold on. Sidetrack. Because we've always heard this story about Shawn Michaels over the years. Yeah. And that was in 93, 94, before WrestleMania 10, right? Wasn't that yeah, it when he had this, to drop the belt? This was uh, October of 95. 95 so, when he dropped that's when he dropped the belt to Shane Douglas yes yes Dean Douglas Dean, back Dean, then you're Dean 100% Douglas, right yeah. he, got, he got suspended before WrestleMania 10 this was when he got hurt yes. and he dropped the belt to Dean Douglas right yeah and that's what we talked about last week when Shane Douglas is like oh he gave me the belt blah 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 and he was mad about it alright so apparently this is a night where Diesel wasn't around Hunter Hearst Hemsley wasn't around so and they he's were out in Europe in a bar apparently they were in Europe this is actually right. said they kind of glossed over it, by the way, in the A&E biography. And all that Hunter and Kevin said was that they were in Europe. So okay, Scott which is Hall, believable. Yeah. Kevin Nash, and Triple H were in Europe. All his homies, all his big big homies, right? Who are all like 6'4 and above. <laughs> all gone. He's out by himself. Okay, he's allowed to do that. Max and the chick, and apparently nine people beat the hell out of Shawn Michaels. I don't think it would have taken nine people to beat up Shawn Michaels. Am I the only one that feels like this is exaggerated a little bit, or, may, or is this a hundred percent facts? And I'm just not. I'm just out of the loop. Facts. Nine people. <laughs> when all he oh, had was like guy? the British Bulldog and somebody else was there with him. That's like it too. Yeah, he, I forgot <laughs> British Bulldog supposed to be there. I don't remember who this. So maybe it was nine was. people. But they didn't touch British Bulldog, you know, unless he scared them all away. But. He didn't come come out with any uh, injuries or anything, at least as far as I remember. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering. But yeah, I don't know, man. I just feel like you got nine people beating up. I, maybe I feel like he would have been a lot Orton more injured than that. One of them did the Randy Orton punt. Maybe. I don't know, man. Maybe it was just one guy just beat the hell out of Shawn Michaels, which is possible. And then nine people were just standing around. <laughs> so he, he counted the feet. He's like, that's 18 feet. Team feet. 18 <laughs> feet. Damn. I'm reading a story about this right now. And yeah, they, they beat him up. But, like, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know if it was a whole bunch of guys. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. I don't know. It just sounds wild. That nine people just beating the hell out of Shawn Michaels. Yeah, they they kind of glossed over it that Shawn was getting uh, a little too big for his britches while at the bar, and the ladies right. were kind of flocking to him and stuff like that. But which is that's, they didn't that really, can happen. 
Yeah, they didn't really like go into detail though, the way I th- I thought they might with these A and E biographies aren't you know exactly good. That's just like <laughs> overall, they're just kind of weird. But I enjoyed the Shawn Michaels one for what it was. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, but uh, Ultimate Warrior is coming up. <laughs> Oh, that's going to be interesting to yeah. see the contrast between Dark Side of the Ring and the A and E documentary. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm gonna, yeah, definitely going to compare and contrast. By the way, have you seen the Booker T biography? A and E. I have. That. that was really good. I thought it was pretty good. The beginning, especially when talking about his life growing up. Yeah, um, it, but I, it might good. be the best that they've aired so far. So. I didn't know a lot of his background. You know, I didn't read a lot of his background, so I, I learned a lot from before he even got into wrestling. Like, I knew Damn. both his parents had died. I knew he went to jail. Uh, I knew he was grew up in poverty. I forgot. I, I think I heard of, that he robbed a Wendy's. I didn't know he robbed one the his same own. one like 20 <laughs> times. <laughs> his own, right? The one he worked at. The one he worked at. So his inside job 20 times, something like that. Um, and I didn't know how his mother died. I didn't know she fell yeah. through the you know the ceiling and oh, yeah. fell through the floor and, and hurt her back real bad so that's sad but uh no i thought it was i thought it was well done um you always got to look at those a and e ones with a little bit of a you know that wwe's going right. to revise history a little right. bit but yeah for what they are they're still pretty good but the dark side of the ring documentaries are where they at though yes. that's those are the dope ones like yeah. i think the next one they're doing is collision in korea yeah yeah that's one thing i d- don't know much about so I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to learn something from that one because I never really looked into that show. Yeah, so, me neither. Me neither. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, but back to... Beware of dog. Beware of dog. <laughs> Cornette is all talking about the match, the WWE title match later that night. He talked about how he went to the Athletic Commission in South Carolina and got Owen Hart a manager's license for the night. And I wrote down, like, I love the fact that that gap was filled in for like it didn't even have to because nowadays a wrestler would just walk out with another wrestler and that's just it. Yeah, he's just in his corner. But back then, and I don't know if it's the corner decision or just how WWF was. They were a little more official with things back then. But like he filled in that gap that just not just WWE but pro wrestling doesn't even bother to fill in anymore. <laughs> you know, it just sounds more official that way. It sounds like there's actual protocols involved with pro wrestling, which. They exist in every other sport, but just not pro wrestling for whatever reason. Like, I don't know, yeah. but I just like that. I don't. There's a little thing that I just like. You know, he yeah. he had to get him a one day license to be his manager. Which is funny because what's prohibiting Cornette from going down there too? I know he's he like, said yeah, he said but, he had his focus on Vader. But you have your client has a world title match. Like, what the hell sense does that make? You're just gonna ignore the title match? Like, come on, Jim Cornette, Mister Old School, like. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense now that you mention it. But, but um, the Owen Hart thing was great, and he the way he showed the card, like whatever the hell it was that he was showing to the camera, and then he like right. put it in Davy's face. He's like, "Look, look at this." And Davy's like, "It's probably a three by five card <laughs> with like random writing on it. Yeah. <laughs> Nowhere near a actual like licensed card. It's no, just like no. a random <laughs> piece of paper you had in his pocket that day, which is hilarious. But here it is, Man. right." It's <laughs> so good. It's so good. I like this little thing just made me laugh. I loved it. Yeah. 
I, I like it too. So we get to the match. British Bulldogs makes his entrance. Diana Smith is also with British Bulldog along with Owen Hart. After that happens, we get an interview with Shawn Michaels with Doc Hendricks, uh, <laughs> who of course is better known as Michael PSAs. But on oh, this night, he's Doc me. Hendricks, damn it. Doc Hendricks. And Michaels, of course, is with Jose Lothario. He cuts a promo, talking about how focused he is. He makes his way to the ring. On his way to the ring, though, he just confrontationally bumps into Mr. Perfect. Yeah. And it's like, something going to happen there between them two, like, Dude, in the future? They, I don't remember anything tease. happening. They always tease Mr. Perfect with, like, so much stuff, but it never panned out. I don't know if they ever wanted injuries. him to get back in the ring. Yeah, but it was like... Maybe. Yeah, I want to see Shawn Michaels and Mr. Perfect for the title. Like, that'd be awesome. Man, but, that would have been dope, bro. That would have been crazy. 96, 97? Yeah. That would have been dope. I mean, he would eventually wrestle again for WCW. And, of course, yeah. he went back to WWF before he passed away. But, yeah, it was weird. Like you said, they were always kind of tease him and stuff. Like, like Luger stuff at WrestleMania 10. Uh, and then on this night, they just bump into each other. Yeah, they teased him and again each back other. in the ring with Triple H later this year. It's like they teased him a few times. Right, he had that baggy suit on at, uh, what, what show was that we just watched not that long ago? Uh, where Triple H is going against, uh, was it Gold Dust? Oh, oh Buried Man. Alive. Yeah. Was it Buried Alive? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it had to have been Buried Alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> he did have a kind of a baggy suit on. <laughs> I mean, it was 96, so <laughs> you know, that, that was kind of the style, I guess, but... Yeah. In hindsight, it didn't look tremendous, ill-fitting for a man of uh, Mr. Perfect stature. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, Vince does his usual over-the-top introduction of Shawn Michaels, uh, and then he mentioned that people can catch the encore presentation of the show on Tuesday, so they can see all the matches they missed. And I wrote that they missed quite a few. Now, like we said earlier, this was supposed to be the main event, but because the power was out for the rest of the show. This is like the second match <laughs> on the yeah, broadcast. For the people at home, yeah. Right. And for Peacock and WWE Network. Yeah. You know, this is the order that we've seen this match in. Mm-hmm. So he takes the time to mention that they can read and watch the whole thing again on Tuesday to see the, the matches that they miss. Um, so, yeah, big storm, all hell broke loose, and they lost power for a long time, and they got this match out there um, to end the night. Uh, and then, before the match, we hear from Clarence Mason. And Nick, Aww. cue up Clarence Mason. Love it. What's this? Clarence Mason? Can I have your attention? We can't hear what he's saying. What's he saying? Can I have your attention, please? Shawn Michaels, you have attempted. You, Shawn Michaels, have attempted to break up the very, very happy home of the British Bulldog and that precious little budding tulip, (laughs) Diana Smith. Budding tulip. You have single-handedly tried to destroy the very essence of family values. So when the Smiths came to me and they retained my services, I assured them that your actions would cease and desist immediately. 
Clarence Mason, legit this lawyer, by the way. Underway. We've had enough problems. Come on, this Here is touchy. Here in South Carolina, <laughs> in front of thousands, and in front of the sold-out crowd here, and the millions across America. Not a millions sir, across America. <laughs> are hereby served with a summons. What? As a defendant, the charge <laughs> attempted alienation of affection. You, sir, we will see in a court of law where justice is swift and hard. My what the hell is attempted? <laughs> what the hell is attempted alienation of affection? What does that mean? You're trying to uh, divorce a Break couple. Break home? Apparently, yeah. It's I didn't know the law, being a homewrecker was against the law. Well, you still I thought that was just it's, against, like, I thought that was just being messy. <laughs> that was it, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's the legal you know, term for just, it, being, being messy. Right. <laughs> you're just out here being messy. I didn't know that was illegal. Like, illegal. I mean, I can see, I, I mean, I can see it. I mean, you, you know, so, cheating on your spouse is adultery. You can, according you know, to, you lose a divorce. According to legal uh, source Wikipedia, uh, alienation of affections is a common law tort abolished in many dur- jurisdictions. So it pretty much does oh, not. Oh, man. Yeah. It does, <laughs> pretty much does not exist. But uh, it says, just like yay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where we, we out here, <laughs> where it still stands, where wreck. it still exists, an action is brought by a spouse against a third party alleged to be responsible for damaging the marriage, most often wow. resulting in divorce. So, yeah, wow. I think that exists still. I think that exists in North Carolina still. Really, I'll talk about why so, out the air. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, talk about I, <laughs> about why I know that off the air. Why I knew that. <laughs> uh, in addition to that, it says the defendant, which in this case would be Shawn Michaels, is in an alienation of affection suit, is typically an adulterous spouse's lover. Although family members, right. counselors, and therapists or clergy members who have advised the spouse to seek divorce have also been sued for alienation of affection. Right, look, so. look. I, did that, does it say where this? It still exists. So, as of 2016, it's recognized in the following states: Hawaii, North Carolina. So you're right about that. Mm. Mississippi, that, New Mexico, South Dakota, and Utah. <laughs> look, Utah. Yeah, right. I, I, look, like I said, there's a reason why I know that this happened in North Carolina. We'll talk about that off the air. <laughs> I was going to leave it at that. Um, but. That's wild, and home records everywhere. Just like we can wreck as many homes as possible now. Yes, <laughs> abolish that. Unreal, unreal. Attempted <laughs> alienation of affection. Of affection. <laughs> That's a weird term too. It really is. Alienation of affection. Attempted. You didn't succeed. That's <laughs> only attempted. Um. So yes. In 1996, Shawn Michaels, in a storyline, was served with a, a summons. He was served before a match. Again, this is like two years too early. That's like two or three years <laughs> before I expected this. I expected this to happen in like 98, 99, right. 2000. Mm-hmm. This happened in 96, before the Attitude Era started. So this is kind of weird here in 96. Very much, very much so. Um, Shawn Michaels reads the summons, tears it in half. <laughs> And off we go. We got the match. And the match is a match. You're watching it, and I'm watching it, and it's just like something feels off. Like the timing <laughs> just isn't right. And then at one point, Bulldog has Shawn Michaels in the headlock. 
I have and this. And you can see Shawn Michaels. <laughs> right. He's talking to Earl Hebner. And you can see him like something ain't going right with him. And he's just like visibly frustrated by something. Like he's about to get up. And then when he gets something didn't go his way, he goes right back down and starts talking again. It's like, what the hell is going on here? Didn't I dig into it? It's like apparently Shawn Michaels was just in a bad mood this day. And on top of that, he was getting heckled by a fan that he didn't appreciate for some reason. Like, all right, did you this, hear that? You could hear her yelling. I I did hear her, especially I, I had these this. damn boat Bose headphones on. But go ahead, go ahead. To some of the fans around ringside. Did you refer you to him please as the Slammy Award yeah. winning Owen Hart? Owen Hart wearing a, a cast. Oh God! Left. <laughs> Your phone says, "Shut up." And, uh, and then uh, Shawn Michaels says, "Shut up, you fat skank." You can read his lips. Yeah, that's what he said. Look, those are not my those are not my words. So, those are Shawn Michaels' words. I was just saying that because I read his lips. Don't get me wrong; that's annoying. But don't be unprofessional. Like you have both of them. Both of them saying that. Like both of them were done with it. Can you imagine what they'd say like in the night after WrestleMania? Like, (laughs) yeah, like they'd be trying to fight everybody in the building. The whole crowd was like staring in that direction too. I couldn't help but notice. Like they weren't even paying attention to the match in the ring. They were staring at wherever this woman was. Look, she was annoying, but she's still a paying customer. As long as she's not saying anything disparaging about you, she can yell. Is it annoying? Yeah, Yeah, it's annoying. But but like they they didn't ignore it. Like, like, did she say anything, like, personal about Shawn Michaels or Bulldog or, like, I don't know. Like, if she, I don't know. She was being annoying, though. Maybe she was trying to get him to alienate her affection or something. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Towards her husband? Man, come alienate this affection here. That's wild. (laughs) Well, I guess Shawn Michaels didn't want to do that. According, <laughs> according to you, he called her a fat skank? Yikes. Yeah, I mean, I saw it, and then I was kind of looking. I, I Googled it to see like what it, people that have already reviewed the show like said about it, and they, you know, a lot of them used those words, and then I watched it, and it really looks like he's saying that. I mean. Shawn Michaels did an interview not that long ago on The Bump, your favorite show. Ah, the best. We talked about this match, and he talked about how, you know, he wasn't in a good mood or just a mm. terrible day. And he said because of the storm, they had to have, like, three matches planned just in case the lights would go out or whatever. So oh, I guess no. he was flustered by that. Oh, no. Or he was just flustered because you was Shawn Michaels in 1996, and that was right. just, like, his natural state. Right. And also, he didn't mention, at least in the quote that I saw, I didn't mention the fan that was heckling him, hmm. which is like, still, I mean, if they throw something at you, all right, you got a right to be upset. But if one fan out of thousands are like, is, 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 you can't get, come on, just be professional, keep doing what you got to do. Why are you cussing out the fan here? Do Work the match. Yeah. And because you didn't stay focused and didn't stay in the moment, the match suffered. And you got, you know, British Bulldog, they're running the ropes. And British Bulldog just jumps out of Shawn Michaels' way, and Shawn Michaels goes flying out the ring. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, what the, that was what the weird hell is supposed to happen there? Yeah, that was. And weird then at one too. point, Bulldog knocks the hell out of Earl Hebner. Earl Hebner was flying was great, out of the ring. That was a great bump. That's the best thing Earl Hebner's ever done. That was a great. That bump. That was a great bump. That's a crazy bump. Right. Yeah. So this match was just weird. It was a very weird match, and then of course, on top of that, we get a weird ending. <laughs> 
or a controversial one. It wasn't necessarily weird. It was just that Shawn Michaels hits a pretty good German suplex. I I like this German suplex. Gets a German suplex. Yeah. Looks like he bridges for a pin. The, mm-hmm. After Earl Hebner got knocked out of the ring, a new referee comes down. He counts one, two, three. Shawn Michaels' music plays. So he, oh, Shawn Michaels won because he just hit the move. Clearly, he pinned British Bulldog. Refer, the new referee comes over, though, and raises British Bulldog's hand. He apparently, and this new ref was Mike Kyoto, he apparently only counted Shawn Michaels' shoulders on the mat. Which is like, how in the hell did you do that? You were, British Bulldog is lying on the mat. We're unbelievable. <laughs> on his back. But Shawn Michaels is the one who's getting pinned. Okay. <laughs> who's he trying to You screw? know, Shawn Michaels is the one that's just, he just did the move. Never mind. Right. So, British Bulldog is announced by uh, Howard Finkel as the new World Wrestling Federation champion. But then Earl Hebner comes back into the ring and he disputes Kyoto's decision and raises Shawn Michaels' hand. He, for somehow, off screen, but off to the side too, with his feet on the floor, ducks his head into the ring in his arm and counts on the mat. He counts <laughs> British Bulldog's shoulders down. Does he not so see now we have Kyoto in there? Like. <laughs> right. Counting at the same exact time. Right? So now we have controversy. We got some, we got something, we got to figure this stuff out. At some point while they're trying to figure this out, Diana Hart Smith gets out of the ring with the belt. She takes the title <laughs> and she holds up the belt with this, you know, this angry look on her face. Like, yeah, we got the belt. Problem is, the problem is, the belt is upside down. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. So that shot is ruined. Great, but yeah, it is. <laughs> that shot is all the way ruined. And then Gorilla Monsoon comes out and pretty much says, Will you stop? <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Snatches the belt away from her, gets into the ring, and talks to the officials. They hash it out. And they come to the, you know, to the decision that it was a draw. Both shoulders were counted on the mat, which is probably it's the best decision at the end of the day. Just a weird way of getting there because somehow Mike Kyoto just counted Shawn Michaels' shoulders. I don't get it. Uh, Jim Cornette was pissed off that there was a draw. He wanted to fight people. Um, Diana Hart Smith looked confused. Is it me or did she just look like she just looked on? Un- just looked uncomfortable on camera. Like she it, it's like she never had confidence in what what she was told to do. She just looked like she Unsure was there. Of herself. She was like focused on what, yes, like hyper-focused on what she had to do. The camera was on her for so long and she had like no reaction and then she would kind of like notice the camera was on her. She'd be like, come on, Davey. Like, okay. Like, jeez. Yeah. I mean, not everybody's cut holding off the, the bit, Holding the belt upside down. Like, come on. But you figure yeah, like yeah. she had a big role in the SummerSlam 92 match where, especially that night, you know, she was in, she was interviewed in the crowd, and then she came in the ring after Bret Hart and British Bulldogs match. So, I mean, I figured at this point she would be used to whatever you know they asked her to do. But yeah, this whole angle—maybe it was the angle, maybe it was the story—because you know British Bulldog quit over this. <laughs> you know, like he technically mm. quit over this, and they wound up you know able to bring him back. And uh, I think I, I, is it. Bruce Pritchard that talks about it on his podcast. I think it. I think it's probably him, uh, talks about yeah, like British Bulldog quit over this storyline. So I'm sure Diana was just not feeling it from the start. But 
They went on with it. Yeah. I don't blame her. This storyline sucked. Yeah, it's weird. And, and she hits him with the, I know you want me, Sean. He goes, don't flatter yourself. Like, yeah. that's not great. <laughs> like, she, like, she didn't want that to happen on TV. No. So, With all due respect, though, do not flatter yourself. <laughs> with all due respect, though. That, that, once you say it with all due respect, you pretty much say whatever you want after that. <laughs> like, that's like the rule. Exactly. That's the unofficial rule of society. Like You can say whatever you want as long as you put with all due respect in front of it. Like With all due respect, I think you're a trash human being. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fine. And they can't get mad at you, right? Like, but I said with all due respect, right? Yeah. It's your so fault that you're offended. You know? Right. <laughs> I gave you the respect, and yeah, I crowd you a trash human being, but I said with all due respect. So leave me alone. Like you said, it's your fault, not mine. <laughs> uh, so after this match, we suddenly transition to the sequel, Beware of Dog Two, <laughs> which yeah. two days later in North Charleston, South Carolina. Which we now have commentary from Jim Ross and Mr. Perfect, which All is like right. refreshing almost. It is. <laughs> like, God, because Vince McMahon's commentary can be rough. And then we already talked about Jerry Lawler's commentary can be rough sometimes. But Jim Ross in 1996 was just on top of his game, right? Like, he, he called it more like a sport with a sprinkle of entertainment. Whereas Vince would just go over the top and all the pomp and circumstance that comes with just being entertainment with no sports-like presentation or style to him. And it just, sometimes it can be grating on my nerves. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Like, Yeah, I mean, Jim Ross was almost like Tony Schiavone. I, obviously, I love Tony Schiavone, WCW 96-97. He literally explained everything that you were questioning. And Jim Ross was kind of the same. He in this period, you know, when he was given that uh, freedom to, to do this, uh, and maybe it wasn't necessarily given that freedom. He just did it uh, before he, you know, turned became that heel turn that brought in Razor Ramon and Diesel and all that. Uh, you know, his commentary was great, so uh, he would explain a lot of stuff the way Tony Schiavone did in WCW, and I loved it. Yeah, Jim Ross in the '90s was. Like, fantastic. I know some people rag on him today, but there's a reason why Jim Ross is in the position that he's in. Because he's probably, arguably, the best play-by-play wrestling announcer of all time. It's either him or, I guess, a Gordon Soule would be up there. Uh, I guess Shivani, you could put Shivani up there. I don't know who else would be up there, though. I mean, uh, who's the guy that's in Memphis? Lance Russell? Was he a play-by-play or was he an interview? I can't even remember off the top of my head. Um... There's been some great broadcasters over the years, but Jim Ross is—he has to be on like you know top two or three play-by-play wrestling announcers ever, mm-hmm. and arguably yeah. the best. So, um, but then we trans. Mister Perfect was not a great announcer, <laughs> but he was good enough that he can be with Jim Ross and sound just fine. So yeah, this was already. I was like, yeah, God, thank you. <laughs> Whew, was this the first time you watched this night. portion of, uh, like, Beware of Dog? Is this the first time you consumed uh, it? I feel like I did Beware of Dog on my Throwback Thursdays before, but I don't recall. Maybe I didn't do it, but I thought I did, but I don't know. 
Um, so yeah, I couldn't tell you honestly. I don't remember if I did had had mm. seen this before or not. Pretty sure I did though. But either way, we move on to the Caribbean strap match between Steve Austin and Savio Vega. Like I said earlier, these two literally wrestled with the lights out <laughs> on sun on Sunday at Beware of Dog One. Uh, of course, we got Steve Austin. Who is Stone Cold at this point, but he's not really like, you know, of course, Stone Cold as we know and love him. He's still uh, with Ted DiBiase. He's the ringmaster Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah, he has four nicknames before we get to Steve Austin. Uh, also, this is Steve Austin pre-knee braces, which almost looks strange. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? He looked like skinnier. And of yeah. course, he looked more athletic because, you know, his yeah, knees were better. But like, yep. It was strange to see those. No, mm. at least as him in the black trunks, black knee boots, pads, yeah. knee yeah. and black black boots, right? Because that's usually associated with the Stone Cold that we know and love, and that Stone Cold had knee braces. This one didn't even have one. He had no knee <laughs> braces, and it was just like, whoa. That yeah, was he wrestled for a while with look. white boots, so he had switched to the black boots around WrestleMania, I think. So this was like his new style he, that he kept for a long time <laughs> yeah forever. Well, well, for the rest of his career <laughs> right this is what we know him as black tights black trunks uh black boots um but they had this match two nights before so they had to up the ante for this one and that if steve austin lost the match ted dibiase had to leave wwf oh no and if savio vega lost he had to be ted dibiase's chauffeur he even brought the chauffeur hat to the ring. But of course, in reality, Ted DiBiase was, didn't just leave WWF. He left WWF to go to WCW. <laughs> so, Yeah, this uh, this line during the match, by the way, this is the last one I have for Beware of Dog. But this line during the match uh, kind of made me laugh. DiBiase looking awful nervous in the background. Can you blame him? Would you want to be leaving the WWF? Not now. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. How about that? How about At that? that point, yes, you leave WWE. <laughs> Scott Hall had already debuted on Nitro by this point, so you damn right. straight he wants to leave. Exactly. Was that a failed <laughs> shot at Scott Hall and, and Kevin Nash? Do you, why would you want to leave WWF now? Right? Because we stink. <laughs> and I get paid more money down here in Atlanta. You crazy? Yeah, right? Oh, that made me Let's laugh. Rock. That made me laugh. Let's rock and roll. So, yeah, that's what was going on in reality. Uh, this match was, I thought this was a great match. This is probably my favorite match. Yeah, in, it was the, the longest card. one, too. It was like 21 minutes. Right. Longest this one. is just a great, hard-hitting match that was, that was you know, benefited from the commentary of Jim Ross. He was good at calling these types of matches and bringing that intensity and, and conveying that intensity and that, uh, you know, and a hard-hitting style to the viewer with his commentary style. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed this match a lot. This is by far the best match on the show. Yep. Uh, I feel like every strap match, though, has virtually the same ending. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> feels like it. This feels like it, right? Where you have the bad guy touching the ropes, but the good guy touching, not touching the ropes, the turnbuckles. Because, <laughs> you know, strap matches, whether it's Caribbean strap matches or Texas bull rope or whatever... You got to hit the four corners yeah. in succession, right? I mean, that's typically what it is. Mm-hmm. 
And the bad guy always hits the four corners, or hits three of them, but the good guy is hitting the, the corners right behind him, so they're, like, tied up <laughs> but before they get to the fourth corner, and then the bad guy doesn't notice, somehow never notices the good guy yeah, the, the crowd the cheering. Right behind the them. crowd cheering, and they're just like, "Oh, I guess they start liking me all of a sudden." Right, and then <laughs> something goes wrong. In this case, Steve Austin pulls Savio Vega into the fourth corner, allowing Savio Vega to pick up the win and send Ted DiBiase packing out of WWF and to World Championship Wrestling. So, oh no, oh no, oh, what's he gonna do? <laughs> Make more money, probably. <laughs> A million dollar man. Also, speaking of Ted DiBiase, he's been making appearances in the NXT. You've seen yeah, this, like yeah, I, with uh, uh, Cameron was, uh, Grimes. Cameron Grimes, yep. Which I actually find kind of funny. I haven't been keeping track too much. I just know that they made a big deal about him appearing in person, and all he did was, uh, or at least last night on NXT, appearing in person, and all he did was like come up on the stage, laugh, and leave. And I was just like, man, what are these these legend? Like moments and appearances that WWE does uh, just do nothing for me anymore because they make it see they make it not mean anything and it's frustrating. It's like I want to watch something that means something. Like, come on. That's fair. It, it, it is kind of dope for Cameron Grimes though that he gets to right. He's got yeah, like work with Ted DiBiase. Good. Right. That's it's good. That's a good thing. It's to be on screen with Ted DiBiase, even though it's mostly Ted DiBiase laughing at him for being broke. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's typically the story. Yeah. Um, you know, but I still find it kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, that's the end of Ted DiBiase's run in WWF. And they give him the yeah, whole na 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 song. <laughs> that was which the first I'm like, time I heard they... that, by the way. Really? Yeah. In 96? Yeah. I guess that's, that's fair. You only, what? 10, 11 years uh, old? <laughs> t- 11 at this time, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's, that's a... No, oh, 10. Fair. 10, because... Oh, yeah, you turn 11 80, in October. Yeah, 95, so... I'll turn 10. Right. I mean, yeah, I'll turn... October 96, I would turn 11, so yeah. Right. Well. I'm just surprised they actually used the song, or like they didn't dub over it on Peacock, well, they, WWE Network. They didn't, like, play it. He was just singing the lyrics. I thought, I thought they played it, like... In the arena, so I thought I, I heard didn't it hear. I didn't. Well, maybe. Well, my my hearing ain't great, so maybe they did, but I didn't. I didn't, I wasn't paying that close of attention to it. So, uh, uh, I thought I heard the song. Either way, <laughs> Savio is just that good. Yeah, His I guess he can that sing. Yeah. That boy can sing. <laughs> he sounded just like the actual song, like <laughs> to me at least. I didn't know Savio even had a microphone. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Look, go ahead, Savio. You can sing, boy. Because I thought you was the actual song. Are you, that, didn't they, play, they, they didn't play the music neither? I could have <laughs> swore I heard the music. Maybe I am tripping, and I just made this up in my mind. <laughs> Maybe I just played it again like I did with New Jack Smash last week. When I just played Interborn Killers in the background and muted Peacock. Maybe I did that. <laughs> no. <laughs> If you did Savio, <laughs> no. I guess. I don't know. Right, I'm gonna go Speaking back. Of, I'm gonna go back to this. I'm gonna see. Speaking of, uh, real quick aside, uh, <laughs> back to New Jack, real quick. Uh, all the stories that have come out about him in the last couple of days, including at Wrestlepalooza, he apparently wanted to uh, fight Junkyard Dog because Junkyard Dog owed him money or something like that. <laughs> I did not. Which hear is that wild. 
Right. And, uh, you know, it's sad that, you know, Junkyard Dog died like a month later, but like, yeah. apparently at that show, New, York, New Jack was like, yo, he owes me money for something. You know, I think he sold him weed or something <laughs> like that. Something weird. I forget what it was, but like, he was like, I'm about to beat up Junkyard Dog. <laughs> like, because he owes me money, bro. So, that is hilarious. That yeah. <laughs> All right, let me, let me pull this up. The end of. Yeah, it says, it, even in the WWE Network, it says Vegas sings goodbye to the Million Dollar Man. Oh, he's sucking? Oh, my God. I'm stupid. Hold up. He plays the song, bro. I could have swear he played the song. And I'm watching it, and I have the phone up to the microphone. He's singing. They're playing the song. He's singing. You don't hear the song? No. This is ridiculous. I think it's just soaking in a million dollar man. And look at all the people. Uh, maybe His illustrious career in WWE. All right. They're, they're playing the song. I can hear the instruments. Okay. I, I vaguely hear it, but uh, he started singing, and that's what I picked up on. So... Yeah, he sounded uh, totally different from was, the song. I wasn't looking uh, or hearing, looking to hear the instruments or whatever. So when I, he started singing, I just kind of like, okay, he sang. Like I wasn't even, I wasn't <laughs> yeah, paying attention like, to the rest at all. Either he, either I'm right, or he sounds exactly like the song. <laughs> like, or I mean, they could have played it in the background, but he was singing, so he might have been singing with the song that was played. Well, yeah, but I could still hear the song. I'm just saying, like. Listening to it again, he sounded nothing like that song. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Hey, hey, hey. Like, and it's understandable. He had a match. He's tired. So I give him, I give a him 21 that. 21 minute match. Right. What strap, a match. Got, strap match. He got whipped. End. You know what I'm saying? All yeah. that. But like, he didn't sound anything like that song. I'm, I'm like, I know I wasn't tripping. I could have swore I heard that song. <laughs> but all right. Thanks for clearing that up. Because. I'm about to go to the doctor or something. <laughs> Make sure I'm not tripping here. I, I might have to go. Jeez. <laughs> um, moving on, though. We go to go backstage, and we got Shawn Michaels on a laptop chatting with his fans <laughs> on America Online. He, he was said. not chatting. He was staring at a screen. Staring at the screen, trying really hard to read, apparently. I don't know what the hell's going on. And then he's <laughs> typing with his two index fingers yeah. because, you know. They didn't teach people how to type back in Shawn Michaels' day. <laughs> Not at all. They didn't know how to, how to type. But he's just I used to type, by the way. I, learned, I used to type by looking at the keyboard. Did you type when you started like looking at the keyboard? Or did you always like look at the screen instead? Uh, hmm. I think I do a mixture of both. I think I can look at the screen and type and look at the keyboard and type. Yeah. I was never back- formally taught how to type. I just okay. Over the years, I've just learned quickly where the keys yeah, we are had, do it yeah do it almost every day for hours on end you kind of commit right. your fingers to your know, muscle memory i guess you call it but uh, right we had like a class in school it was like touch typing for beginners it, it might have been like part of a different class but we would like get on a computer and like type with uh, both hands on the keyboard and then using all our fingers you know go t- use our right index finger for p and we couldn't move our hands they had to stay where they were and we would have just have to move p or whatever uh, move our finger to p or whatever but uh you know a little after this when i got the internet in like 97 98 and i would be typing i would be looking at the keyboard every single time and i that's how i got fast at typing 
because I was I knew where the letters were or whatever, but I was looking at them. So if I made a typo, I wouldn't know until I looked up at the screen, and then I would obviously fix it or whatever. Nowadays, I do a mixture of both, but I mostly just look at the screen because I've memorized the keyboard. So, like, I just look right. at the screen most of the time now. So it's kind of like funny how that that evolved over time for me personally. So yeah, I, I doubt that. Uh, people, yeah. I doubt that uh, Shawn Michaels has gotten better at typing over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he hasn't had to. Maybe he got his kids yeah. to do it for him. Probably, yeah. I'm saying he's just like typing for what? Like, yeah. Kid, come here and do this for me. Which is what most people his age probably do. Probably. Stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. So, moving on from that though, we got a good old Haas fight here with Vader versus Yokozuna. We got Vader coming into the match build at 460 pounds. Probably uh, 470, <laughs> you know, in reality. <laughs> and we got Yokozuna build at over 600 pounds. At over 1,000 pounds of weight in this ring. I don't know how many other matches in WWE history can say that. When you think about that, that's, there's, never, I don't, can't, there's never been a time where two 500-pounders have gone at it. This might be the heaviest match in WWF history. I don't know about wrestling history, but at least at least heaviest one-on-one match. I'm sure you have a 10-man tag. You have a bunch of people who weigh over 200 pounds. You got over probably a ton, literally a ton in the ring. But like one-on-one, I don't know. They had how many the, times? Oh, actually, yeah, because they had Earthquake and Yokozuna the sumo match, but that was they were probably both thinner. Then Yoko guess, was now yeah, and yeah. Uh, Vader. No, Earthquake yeah. was like three, like upper three is four hundred, right? Yeah. He was close. He was, but not not as big as Vader. I don't think. I don't think no, so don't either. So there's not many, too many times where you have this much weight in the ring for a one-on-one match. A thousand pounds, well over it. I think they said Yoko was like six forty, something like that. Something I forget the exact number, but he was definitely over six this was, uh, in this match. Was it this his last match? Or close to his Ooh. last match in WWF. Uh, at least no, he well, wasn't he that. at Wrestle. No, he wasn't at Wrestle. Was he at WrestleMania 13? No, no oh, he was man. gone by then. Yeah. I know 96 was his last year, and I don't know when he was technically released, but he wasn't on TV. Like, oh, you know what? Survivor Series 96, he was. At, so might have been at the end of this year. But, uh, oh man! So yeah, this wasn't his last match. I don't know what I'm talking about, but Survivor Series '96 might have been his last match. Yeah, it was. I'm looking at good old Wikipedia, and it says Survivor yeah. Series '96 was his final WWF appearance. Wow. Uh, I'm not sure how much he was uh, weighing at this point, but man, it was uh, it's was, it was, it was a lot, obviously. Um. But yeah, over a thousand pounds in the ring. Get, despite the fact that Yokozuna is well over six hundred pounds by this point, he was still very mobile for his size. Yep. Which is not the case for people that are six hundred pounds. Like I've I've seen episodes of six my six hundred six hundred pound life, <laughs> uh, and a lot of those people are bedridden, or they can barely move. Like they. Yeah. Yokozuna was running. He's climbing to the top rope like. An yeah. incredible athlete for his size. It's a shame that he 
his weight got out of control because if he could have stayed around like 350, 400, he would have been, man, look, he would have stayed at Vader size. He would have been a tremendous wrestler. Mm-hmm. Or I would, say, I would say even smaller than Vader because Vader's like 450 or something like that. But, you know, when you're over 600, WWF did the right thing, I think, in trying to get him to lose weight because that's just, it's just too much on your body. You know, it's yeah. just, your body can't handle that much weight for too long. You're not going to live too long. And no. Gozuna unfortunately passed away. Uh, at a very young age, but damn, he still move like nobody's business at that. Like I wait, like I said, not many people that size can move like him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one thing I noticed though, when I really noticed, just got to give a homage to Vader's theme music. <laughs> one of the all-time greats. It is. That's like one Jim of the, Johnson. I think it was on the. It wasn't on Full Metal, so it's probably on the second volume of WWF the music, and I would listen to that. You know, like on repeat sometimes because it was. I love that and Ken Shamrock's theme song, like back oh, to yeah, back. I would, I would listen to those two, and I would just like get hyped. You know, <laughs> <laughs> make want to punch yourself in the face and go ah, like Ken Shamrock. Jump off the balcony, <laughs> do a Vader bomb on the couch. There you go. <laughs> you break something and get your ass whipped for it, but that's just how it is. You know what I'm saying? Just, hey, blame WWF theme music <laughs> you gotta charge that to the game like that's just how it go bro yeah, like exactly you know what i'm saying that's just part of the, that's part of life right there you know what i'm saying but uh this match began with a lot of posturing between the two you got vader lining up in the three-point stance he did play football professionally uh i believe he played for the rams uh back in the day uh yokozuna got down in a sumo stance he was not actually a sumo wrestler but um he still did the stance anyway uh, but, you know, Yokozuna would charge and Vader would jump out the way, you know, because he's a heel. You know, it took his time. Uh, but eventually they would lock horns, so to speak. And one thing I noticed during this match is that v- Yokozuna had great babyface fire. Like, he would fire up as a babyface. Like, oh, man, I forgot. Like, he had that in him. Like, he was a great heel. One of the best. of Probably the best of his generation. Yeah. Of that new generation era, like Yokozuna was a great heel, but when he turned face, he had like fire to him, and people got behind him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was uh, he was great. Like super he talented. played the heel great. He played a great babyface. It was just like, man, they couldn't do anything with him as a babyface, really. No, it's like, man, it's a shame. Yeah, his weight was too much by that point. Yeah. They could have had something, um, but yeah. Like you said, he could, couldn't do much, but um, at one point, Vader tries to slam Yokozuna, and JR said, oh, the only person I can remember slamming Yokozuna was Ahmed Johnson. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> Hold up. Hold up. So, Lex Luger just don't exist no more now, huh? Don't. Hey, hey. He in but, WCW, so he just don't exist. He, <laughs> that's hilarious. He, they, y'all had a whole damn show on a whole damn boat, <laughs> where the whole damn show was about body slamming Yokozuna, and this man came down on a whole damn helicopter with a whole damn American flag for a shirt. Got in that ring on that hot ass day in New York. 
and body slam Yokozuna. <laughs> and it kicked what? off an Bro, entire. What are you talking about, man? And it kicked <laughs> off an entire summer's worth of story. <laughs> Which Shim Ross was, was there Yoko- for? He was in the company for this. And Lex Luger sat in his whole damn bus for a whole damn summer. <laughs> campaigning. Telling people, I'm going to beat Yokozuna at SummerSlam. Why? Because he body slammed him on the USS Intrepid. During a body slam challenge. <laughs> Which turned Lex Luger babyface for the first time in his career probably. Like maybe I don't know. Was he a face in the NWA and Crockett? I don't remember. He probably was at some point. I guess he had to have. Didn't he go against Flair and Crockett? I don't know. I don't remember. Either way, know, he probably did, but I'm pretty sure he did. He was champion when he was champion, and I think he was a heel, right? So I, I don't know I, that I, he was part remember. of the Horsemen. So yeah, his his the 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 best parts of his career when he was a heel, at least until WCW when he became a babyface. But either way, he slammed Yokozuna <laughs> before Ahmed Johnson did. That's the whole point. And it's just like, no, the only person I knew of was that uh, Lex. Oh, no, no, no. Ahmed Johnson. That's who did it. Yep. Ahmed Johnson. Mm-hmm. Who's Lex? I don't know. Who's that? Huh? What's that? What you say? You heard something? Flex Cavana? Yeah, we got that kid down in Memphis right now. He's going to be good. <laughs> I, you know, his dad was pretty good. He, I think he might be he might be I too. Flex Cavana. It's like t- two years ago, didn't uh, Mr. Perfect? Didn't you have a, something to like some issue with this person who couldn't beat Yokozuna? Like just didn't you disqualify him Ooh. at WrestleMania for bringing in Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette into the ring? I I got concussed that day. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh. It's just funny. I noticed. I'd, right I'd miss. I missed him saying that, but that's that's so WWF. That's so Vince McMahon. Like, come on. Ahmed At this Johnson. point, Lex wasn't he, like. Yes, he was at high profile in WCW, but I mean, for a very long time, that move meant nothing. You know, like <laughs> Lex jumping to WCW literally meant nothing until the whole NWO thing. So, I mean, was it, it was a big deal when he showed up on Nitro. That was but a yeah, deal. But, but yeah, but like nobody was like, oh, Lex went to WCW. I have to abandon the WWF. Like, nobody right. It did didn't that, like sway you know? the tide right. in any way. It didn't like make WCW the and hot promotion. Making Hulk it a tweener with there. Sting was kind of weird, but it, I actually liked it uh, looking back. But even that, like, I mean, they used him pretty good, but I mean, it was just, man. <laughs> that was funny, man. That was really funny, but. Eventually, Jim Cornette gets involved. He gets thwarted by Yokozuna. <laughs> takes a big bump after Yokozuna headbutts him. Uh, Yokozuna tried to bonsai drop Jim Cornette, which would have ended his <laughs> life. But Vader pulled him out of the way just in the nick of time. And as Yokozuna laid there and sold the miss, Vader climbed up and hit the Vader bomb to win the match. So. Yeah, then he was like... Selling his knee. I, I couldn't remember whether he got hurt or what, but he was selling the knee pretty bad. So I was like, huh. well, yeah. How about that? He, he, at least he, uh, I mean, Yoko's leg was supposed to be hurt in storyline, at least. Right. Um, so well, Vader was selling his leg. 
like after right, I'm not match. sure about Vader's injury. But and then it was funny. I was like, did he miss time? But I was like, no. That's this year he made event at SummerSlam against Shawn Michaels. So, like literally, like two, three months later. So I don't know. Right, which he should have won. He really, by the yeah, way, yeah, should have won. Yeah, but they then we wouldn't got Yoko that Zuna awesome Shawn Michaels Mankind match. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, we did, but no. <laughs> Yo, Vader should have won a title. Let's be honest. Yeah. They should have won a title. So after this match, we move on to a commercial. I love it. This was the most bizarre commercial I've ever seen. And you wonder really? why. I love it. No one ordered this pay-per-view. <laughs> like, you see this commercial. Wait, you like this. I loved it. I thought it was creatively right. awesome. So let's run through it real quick. <laughs> it's a commercial with Jerry Lawler. Jerry the King Lawler. It's a commercial for the King of the Ring, which is next month's pay-per-view, right? He's in his castle, he's in his throne room, and his two poor kids are like, please, sir, may I have some food, sir? And he's like, nah, get out of here. And he so feeds the food on. to a damn, he feeds the food to a dog, like a scoundrel that he is, right? In that moment, he chokes on the food and dies, <laughs> right? <laughs> already starts great. It's already awesome. Chokes on the food and dies and goes to wrestling heaven. Or the big ring in the sky, I guess, as he <laughs> called it. <laughs> While he's in heaven, <laughs> I wrote here, I guess he had it coming that he died because he gave the food to the dog. But while he's in heaven, he, claim, he claims himself the king of heaven. And then Elvis shows up, hits him in the head with a guitar. It's like, you ain't no king, boy. And he's joined by other kings, I guess. Yeah. Including Don King. <laughs> Don King. That's great. Not only was he not dead in 1996, <laughs> he's not dead today. He's still alive. <laughs> what the hell was... Why was he in heaven? Because he was a king. You had to make he wasn't people, dead. You had a, a king uh, from uh, that... You know, the other king on the other side of Elvis, that looked like the king from Keenan and Kel when uh, they went to visit the president and the king came in, King David or something, came in with Keenan and Kel in the office. Remember that one? Uh, he looked like that king. But then he had Don King on the other side. So it was, you know, to make sure that you knew, hey, there's a bunch of kings here. But and I got it right away. Dead kings, it was great. Plenty of dead kings to choose from. But I wouldn't Why have known. Have to get... I wouldn't have known those dead kings. I was Who only cares? I was only ten years old. Did you know the Don other King. dead kings? I knew Don King. Did you know the other dead kings? I knew the mummy. What? <laughs> well, they were do- they were all on commentary. Like he's no king. He's no king. Ugh. Right. I remember it. That's they great. had a pharaoh there. It's yeah, it's great. A white man just as a pharaoh, which is like, <laughs> which, get uh, out of here. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one at all. <laughs> get out of town. <laughs> right, this is such good shit. Exactly, <laughs> the white guy to play the pharaoh here. But Don King isn't dead, bro. <laughs> Why did they do this to him? Why did they put him in heaven? I guess Jerry Lawler isn't dead neither. So maybe in this uh, yeah, fictional, right? <laughs> maybe in this fictional universe, they're both dead. He gave he gave food to a dog too, somewhere down the line. He probably did do that in real life. <laughs> Don, Don King, who knows? 
That was a strange. And then at the end, you see this devil. Who I guess he's, <laughs> he's king he's, of hell. Yeah, he said, "Where am I?" And then you see the devil. So clearly, they're all in hell. What the hell? No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, are you sure there's no pun intended? What was this? Now he's in the hell. This is supposed to be a family product, and now we're sending King to hell. <laughs> also, who was was, well, was Vince McMahon Satan? Well, oh, you know what? I didn't put two and two together. Like but, uh, hey, I see, I see the resemblance now that you mentioned it, but I, I didn't, you know, when I watched it. That commercial, by the way, is on YouTube in its entirety. So, if you go to YouTube and just search King of the Ring '96 commercial, like it'll pop up. But, uh, you know, that is kind of funny, you know, that you go, that you said, Vince, I didn't think it at first, but I might have to go back there and, like, check, because the hair was definitely on point with it looked like, uh, Vince's hair. It looked like so. Vince. It like Vince. But that commercial was stupid. And, you, and it would make sense, because, you know, Vince is Jerry's partner, and they're always fighting, so Vince wants to send him to hell. But, I mean, Vince is in hell, too, so... <laughs> what a what a cell phone, right? Or or Roddy Piper too, right? When oh, you make the phone call to Vince, oh. no, Roddy Piper's not in hell. <laughs> See, I don't know. Like, would they have a relationship that Roddy would find that funny? I don't know. Like, I, I guess only Vince knows that because exactly Roddy Piper's no longer here with us. So like everyone I like guess. freaked out on social media, and I get it why. Because I mean, how weird. does his family feel like watching that? It's probably weird, but you know, it, would Roddy have laughed? I don't know. <laughs> What, what was this about? Like, why? Did, that was a random thing. It was. Vince got it a really weird was. sense of humor. I didn't <laughs> it really find it. Was. It wasn't even funny. <laughs> it like, was what? to him though, which is a whole the different. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things that happen in WWE that are just funny to Vince McMahon, and that's, that's true. it. That's true. Like the zombie, like a zombie lumberjack match. Which, by the way, which the Miz, the Miz tore his ACL. ACL. Yeah, man, that sucks. That's like his first major injury. It is. Tore his ACL yeah, in a zombie lumberjack match. Of all the things <laughs> the Miz could have got hurt doing. Yeah. yeah. That sucks. <sighs> but it's just, you watch this commercial, and you would never know something historic happened at this show that changed the course of wrestling. Because, of course, Ultimate Warrior early, and Triple H. And, uh, Jerry Lawler. That as well. But wasn't Ultimate Warrior on the poster too for this show? Yeah, strange. What a strange show. He was. But Brian Pillman <laughs> came in too, by the way, at this show. <laughs> That's true. Wasn't that, was that his debut? Uh, don't know if it was his debut on TV, but it was his first pay per view. So crazy. Mm. Yeah, that is true. Uh, but as we said earlier, Triple H exposed to win the King of the Ring in '96. Curtain call happens. Yoink, that's not happening now. So the next person in line, I guess, was Steve Austin, of course. And Steve Austin goes on to win King of the Ring. He wins it with a stunner, beats Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts cutting the religious promos, and Steve Austin claps back by coining the term Austin 316. And off we went. (laughs) You know, T-shirts are selling also becomes the biggest star in the business. That would have never happened if it wasn't for the curtain call, though, and Triple H getting in trouble and not being and being having his King of the Ring victory revoked, sort of, you know, so to speak, you know. Yeah. So it's this weird thing how things weird how things fall into place the way they happen. But judging by this commercial, 
this show was going to be trash and it's probably <laughs> not going to be watched by anybody and they would have missed it. I, I, hey, I ordered it, taped it. I know you did. <laughs> you ordered all yeah. these shows. <laughs> I, I remember, so I think I saw that commercial on like an episode of Raw that I was watching on the network like last year. And I totally forgot about it. So when I saw it again, I was like, "Yes, this is awesome!" Like I remember this, and I was like, "That's I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I still do." Wild stuff. <laughs> wild stuff. That's all. That's all. <laughs> that's a wild commercial. That's probably if you want to look up like the whole pantheon of wild WWF commercials that they've done over the years. That has to be up there. Right? I mean, maybe. It has to be. It's such a stupid commercial. <laughs> like, I don't know. All the kings are there. So, and Elvis, Pharaoh, and Don King. And Don. And Jerry. And Don. He's <laughs> not dead. Whatever. Moving on to the main event. <laughs> of the evening, oh, of Beware of Dog Two or Beware of Dog, whatever you want to call it, it's the main event. It's beware the last of show Duke. of this. Beware event. of Do. Yeah, I guess. I mean, D E U X. Like, is that how you pronounce it? Duh. 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 No. Duh. Duh. I took French and I got a C in French in high school and college. So, I'll defer to you. Beware of Do. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm a sort of an expert. I'm the authority here on that. Uh, with my C gets degrees, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a living example of that, at least when it comes to French class. Um, duh, D E U X, duh. So okay. there you go. But it's a casket match for the Intercontinental Championship. Gold Dust defending against the Undertaker, which got me to thinking: How many Intercontinental Championship matches did the Undertaker ever have? In his career, this might be the one and only time he challenged for because I don't recall him ever doing it again. Did he face? I know Kane faced Triple H when he was the Intercontinental Champion, like in 2002 or something. Right. I don't know. If and I'm there was a time did, where, yeah, remember when they did the two man power trip with yeah. Austin and Triple right. H when Austin was World Champ, Triple H was IC Champ, Kane and Undertaker they were the tag champs, so they challenged. Mm-hmm. Triple H and Austin for pretty much all the gold. I would assume, though, the Undertaker would have been the world champ had they had won, and Kane would have been the IC champ, not the other way around. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't recall Undertaker ever challenging for the Intercontinental Championship before or after this. So, if you uh, know of that information out there, feel free to let us know because I have no clue <laughs> if that's the case. Um, but yeah, that was an interesting fact. Also, uh, we have Undertaker in his purple gear, which if you've been watching the Buried Treasure show recently, that's on A&E. I've been watching that show a little bit, which is hosted by AJ Francis, who's on NXT now as a heel. Uh, so that's funny. Uh, he, he only wore that purple gear for like a short period of time, and he didn't wear it again after SummerSlam 96 when Paul Bear turned on him. And the urn that was used when Paul Bear turned on him was one of the quote-unquote buried treasures they were looking for. 
and they found in like a funeral home or funeral museum. I forget where. I don't know if it was Texas or somewhere else. But they found it in this very rare item that I think Paul Bear was walking around with on this night too. Uh, it looked exactly the same. So just a little uh, memorabilia information there. Have you watched that show at all? I watched the. I think I watched the Undertaker one, but it like not all the way through. Maybe like bits and pieces. So I still have to go back and watch those episodes. It's so. it's interesting. You could tell it's kind of staged. You know, the, 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 no I know they have like Triple H and Stephanie like come on and say say things, which right is weird. But okay, they don't have <laughs> that much vested interest in this stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. let's not kid ourselves. Um. But it's, an, it's, or it's like, interesting it, it, to see. The, the ending's already known, and they're just kind of like building up to it or something. Right. And they generally like. get the items they want. Yeah. They're talking about AJ Francis. Like, oh, I got a budget. It's like, no, you don't. This is WWE. <laughs> <laughs> they they want to pay $20,000 for that thing. They will pay $20,000 for that. <laughs> and like it's coming out of his pocket. Like He might have a budget. Right, when, you're only, you're ro- not. when you're only paying the talent 10%, you have plenty of money to throw around. So. Right. <laughs> uh, they already flying around the country. Trying to get the stuff. That's part of the budget too, right? Yeah. yeah. During the pandemic. Um, Jeez. Right. Or uh, maybe it was pre-pandemic. I don't oh, know. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, are there masks? Have, have you seen anyone wearing masks, like walking around or anything? Not that I can recall. So maybe it was pre-pandemic. Not that I can recall, but um, it's an interesting show. Just to see some of the, the items that they go looking for. Like I said, the purple gear was interesting. Because uh, I didn't know he wore it for that short a period of time. Or like... Yeah, uh, the urn, or yeah, that's like an iconic gear. Yeah, that purple stuff. He only wore it two um, years. <laughs> yeah, I didn't look. I, I didn't know he wore it for that short period of time. But like, they had what did they have on it? They had like um, Andy Kaufman's neck brace they found, or <laughs> uh, the Unabomb gear, Kane's Unabomb gear when he was a Smoky oh, Mountains. Hey, it was he was one in of uh, one. USWA like that too, right? Or was he like Doom, so. Doomsday there or something? Maybe, but they the, the Unabomb gear, they definitely had that, and they found that he was in it was in Kane's attic, which is an easy place to find it. They had what was it, Booker T's King Booker rope that he wore one time when he lost to Triple H at SummerSlam in 07. Uh and that was like, I think the last appearance of King Booker. So the rope he wore one time, they found that somewhere or whatever. But you know. It's an interesting show. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think they're eventually going to build up to, because they're collecting these items, and it's like, we want them on display for everybody to see. It's like, well, they're in your warehouse, so nobody's seeing them. <laughs> Unless you go to WrestleMania, and they have them display at, like, yeah. the access. So it's like, they have to have something else in store for all this stuff. And I think it's going to lead up to a physical brick-and-mortar WWE Hall of Fame. Awesome. It has to. Yeah, there's no other, like... How are you going to run this TV series and then, like, not have anyone see these things in person? Right, except like, fans for, like, that a couple are days out of the year. Yeah, so. At WrestleMania every year. Which is stupid, because not everyone goes that. there. Like, not everyone's going to exactly. go there, you know? I'm never going to go. I'm not going to travel for WrestleMania. I'm going to wait till it comes to Philly, damn it. Or North Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Not New York, North Jersey. North Jersey, damn it. Give Jersey go, some love. If they go to MSG, I'll go. That'd be cool, but. I've never been in MSG, not, by the way. I would love to be there for like a wrestling event, but they're not going to be a WrestleMania there, so don't worry about oh, that. Come on, they, <laughs> they not have be a to. They have to. They're not. They're not. They've had twenty plus years to do they it. Could do, do they it. could do the two nighter thing at MSG. No, nah, they're not going to do it. Um, <laughs> the two night <laughs> gimmick. <not> <laughs> they did the two night gimmick at MetLife. <laughs> 
before the dude at MSG. But um, I think I think it might lead up to that. I mean, I haven't heard any scuttlebutt about that, but I can see that being the case. Mm. It just doesn't make any sense to have all this stuff and only put it on display like four right. days a year. Right. For like you said, only how many people go to WrestleMania every year? You know, maybe. I mean, maybe a hundred thousand if you count the people that go to the show and the people that go to the independent show right, and the people yeah. that uh, live in the town that you know is hosting it. That's you know, there's millions of wrestling fans out there. So I don't know, but that's an interesting, interesting little tidbit about Undertaker's gear on this night. Also, he did not make an entrance, which is odd, sorta, because he usually makes a big grand entrance, but uh, he just appeared in the ring behind Goldust. And got things popping and started and ready to go. The superstar savings uh, running running late. Come on, let's go. Maybe, maybe get people home. Um, interesting thing about Goldust, though, this was the night after he kissed Ahmed Johnson <laughs> while he was on the stretcher. Yeah, and they showed the highlights of that. And uh, yeah, I forgot about that for a little bit. So. Yeah, I didn't realize how many times he did. I thought he just did it once, but no, he did no. it three or four times. It's like, oh, he got damn. in there, bro. <laughs> he got in there, and apparently, Ahmed Johnson. I think I heard he was shoot mad about that. Well, I mean, Whatever, he took forever to get up. He could have got up after the first one. He could have like, been got why, up. Why do you? Why do you stay there? Like, could have been got up. The Jr. So. called it sick and hideous. <laughs> yeah, sexual assault. So yeah. <laughs> Call it that. Call it what it is. Sexual assault. Yeah. <laughs> Kiss somebody unwillingly uh, against their will, so to speak. Um, but yeah, we, this was a match. I mean, yeah, nothing. By the way, th- there was a uh, something happened in the match. Undertaker threw Goldust over the top rope, over the casket, and he's kind of like, oh, scared of the casket type thing, and he starts walking away. And a fan, did you see the fan slap him on the head? Yeah, that fan, I think, almost hit Undertaker, too. But he definitely slapped Goldust in the head. Imagine that today. That fan would be gone. Like, <laughs> like snatched that, up. You, we would see it either on TV or whatever. He'd be gone, like, escorted out or whatever. Like, And that happened a lot back in the day. The fans used to touch the wrestlers a lot. And All I missed the this the first time. I didn't really, like, he literally slapped him on the head. Like yeah. he, like he wasn't even in the front row. Like you see him come up to do it, and then like he's there's like this walkway or whatever. There's not even seats there. It's like where the hell does this guy come from, and why is he touching like slapping gold on his head? Like I, I just I find it incredible that in this time frame, fans did that stuff all the way up to like the really early two thousands, and then finally, you know, after I guess Vince could focus on ring security you know it stopped happening where fans would always touch the the wrestlers and they had more space to work with they you know put the other barriers up and they maybe they expanded the uh the area around the ring a little bit so the fans weren't that close the fans aren't even close near the stage anymore you know the ramp so they have plenty of room to work with now without worrying about getting touched by fans this is pre-pandemic so uh, yeah, I just that stood out to me so much. I was like, this fan just like came up and slapped him on the head. And there was like no security at all. <laughs> it's crazy. I did notice that. Uh, yeah, just different time, man. Same thing with like Big Show or J- the Giant smoking a cig. 
Sean White's <laughs> walking to the ring in WCW. Oh, and it's man. like back to a time where people can just smoke indoors. That's right. Can't do that no more. People will look at you so crazy if you're smoking indoors now. What? Sir, what are you doing? Put that cigarette out. So, just a <laughs> like different time Gino back Kalei. in the day. Right? <laughs> I knew he, I got he, that from somewhere. He was, he was, uh, he was on top uh, he was, of it before anyone else. <laughs> this is, yeah, this was after Royal Rumble 92, and he's yeah. just talking off screen. Put that cigarette out. Yeah. <laughs> Who was he talking to? Who had the cigarette? Like, what the hell was going know, on there? Like, he's, right. he's interviewing Ric Flair, who just won the WWF title in the Royal Rumble, and then he does that. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Put that cigarette out. <laughs> Even Gene Oakland was against smoking indoors back in 92, you know? <laughs> so you knew it was, it was over with for smokers right. indoors. It's just, just a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. Just a matter of time. Uh, back to this match, though. We got Gold Dust hitting a tombstone on The Undertaker. How many people get did that back in the day? Mm. Um, Undertaker sat right up, though. It didn't he do didn't. any effect to him. No, not at all. Uh, Undertaker hit a tombstone of his own. Uh, and was about to put gold dust inside of the gold casket, which I thought was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mankind was in the casket. Uh-oh. He gets up out the casket, attacks the Undertaker, puts him in the mandible claw, puts Undertaker in the casket, and closes it to give gold dust an unlikely win. Over the Undertaker in a casket match. Undertaker lost so, so many casket matches. It's like crazy. He did. Oh, yeah, he did. Because he, he lost to Yokozuna in a casket match, right? <laughs> yeah. Then he lost to Shawn Michaels a couple years later in a casket yeah. match. <laughs> That's true. I'll take that back now. <laughs> he won take a lot. It back. I mean, he beat Kamala. He beat Mabel. Beat Mark but, Henry eventually. Oh, yeah, Mark Henry. That Yeah, that's right. Like, but casket matches are not... The Undertaker's uh, best match. It was always a good way to write him off TV, apparently, too. Was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. And so, a good way to get that Mankind-Undertaker feud going. I think their first match yes. was a kick in the ring, so They had a normal match. Then they had the yes. Boiler Room Brawl, yep. and then the Buried Alive. Right. Yeah. And then another one at Survivor Series, which was like Paul Bearer and the Shark Cage. So they had like quite a series of matches just in 96. Right. And Mankind beat Undertaker at King of the Ring, which was like, whoa. Straight up match, he beat him. Mm. That was rare. So, yeah, I, I wrote that down. Like, the match was fine, but it was just a really a good way to further the feud between Mankind and the Undertaker that would take up the rest of the year, pretty much, in 96. Um, before the, ma- the show was over, the casket would become, like, consumed in smoke. Yeah. And the smoke was, became bellowing, you know, someone's, started bellowing out of it. Someone's smoking inside the casket. And Gene Oakland's like, what the right. hell? What the hell's going on? Put that cigarette out. Like Gene Oakland said. Paul Bearer opens the casket, and Undertaker has vanished. He acts like he doesn't know where he went. Like he, Paul Bearer, you know where exactly where he is. Shut up. Yeah, Paul Bearer was hysterical at this point. Oh, fake. where did he go? He's gone. Where is he? Where's my Undertaker? <laughs> What? <laughs> you don't like my Paul Bear? Oh, I love it. I love it. We're putting it in the intro. We're putting it at the end of the show. We're, you're Donnie Wahlberg and you're Paul Bear. This is the best. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where did he go? Where's my Undertaker? He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
Because uh, he, he would do the voice, but it's still his southern accent sometimes would come through still. Yeah. It's like, come on, Paul. You know where he is. Like, relax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that is Beware of Dog, dog. which they One somehow <laughs> right, they somehow got through and delivered on all these matches. It took three days and a severe thunderstorm, but what they got there. So, any final right. thoughts? On Beware of Dog one oh, and man. two. <laughs> uh, I just I remember thinking it was weird, like Shawn Michaels' first couple of matches. Like Diesel made sense, and obviously I didn't realize he was going to show up in WCW like the next month. So I was just kind of like, okay, this is weird that he's now like feuding with Bulldog, who literally just had like a pay per view main event match against Bret Hart when he was the champion, and he lost. Then he lost to Diesel and. It's like, why is Bulldog always in these main events? And it was just kind of weird for me because I never viewed him as like a main eventer type, you know, at, at that point. And to find out, like, he basically quit the company, it's just like, oh, like because of the storyline. It's just like, why continue it? I don't even remember if they continued that womanizer type story to King of the Ring, but they had a match at King of the Ring where Sean won. So, and then they went to, you know, the July in your house where Vader pinned him to lead to SummerSlam. So I don't know like what the reasoning behind putting up a Bulldog was like Bulldog. Was he like the the best guy at the time or was it just about the storyline? Like I just didn't understand it, but Sean wasn't in a great place either. So uh, I'm sure he didn't understand it either. Yeah. I don't know what the hell was going on with that. That was bizarre. Uh, The show uh, unfortunate that the Mother Nature didn't cooperate. I'm sure that messed up the whole rhythm and timing of the show. But I thought just for a a standalone pay-per-view, not great. But as a show that would further stories, it was decent. As far as furthering, yeah. getting Ted DiBiase away from Steve Austin, furthering that Undertaker Mankind story, the show served its purpose. Is You know... It, you can't. You almost can't even judge some of these shows on their own because the, the, in your houses, especially in the beginning, were just like like you said, fifteen dollars shows that were two hours. They were specials, but they weren't like the big shows like King of the Ring, Survivor Series, WrestleMania, Rumble, SummerSlam, yeah. where big things would happen. A lot of times, it would just be furthering a story. So that's what you saw on this night. So it was okay. And again. It sucks that, uh, you know, the uh, weather didn't cooperate, but it is what it is. So, All right, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Pacone. Follow Vaughn at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at The Shooters Pod and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Shooters Pod. Check us out on Patreon, Patreon.com slash the shooters pod you can request any deep dive of your choosing and vaughn and i will do it so until next time for vaughn johnson i'm nick Bacone. we'll catch you tomorrow with another classic episode